This is the Get A Life Podcast, X-Cult Conversations. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Get A Life Podcast, X-Cult Conversations. I'm here with my friends Anne and Ross and Abby and Gilly. And we wanted to just delve a little bit deeper into what happened with the Charity Commission. I know there's been a podcast on there in the background, but also some more recent updates and in particular about what people can do about it if they've got concerns. The first thing I will say is I'm the only one on this podcast that was not in the Brethren when the Charity Commission uh, matter arose. So my friends will have a lot more first-hand knowledge than I will. But just to give a brief background, as most of you know, it all started back in 2009 when a particular Brethren Gospel Hall Trust, the Preston Down Trust, was refused charitable status. And they were refused charitable status because of a change in the law in 2006 that said any charity had to demonstrate they were there for public benefit. And the Charity Commission had two principles of their public benefit test. And the first principle was the benefit must be identifiable. And the second um principle was the benefit must be for the public or for a sector of the public and what they expressly said that that sector of the public couldn't just be for the members of that charity so from then on in we all know that the brethren did a um went on the offensive and did a huge campaign to um overturn this decision and the Preston Down Trust joined forces with the Horsforth um, Trust which is up in Leeds I believe isn't it Horsforth Trust um, bearing in mind that it said in the Charity Commission's report all Brethren Gospel Hall Trust would be implicated by this decision and they kind of went on a huge percent offensive so maybe if briefly somebody just say what you remember about that it's about 2011-2012 from being in the Brethren what you remember it was weekly um one of the things that was started pretty much straight away was weekly emails to uh, with a link to a smart sheet i think it was mm. where you had to document there was four categories i can't remember the categories off the top of my head but there was four categories that they classed were of public benefit one was given to charity one was preaching on the street corner one was, there was two other categories and you had to record what you'd done in terms of the past week and that was sent around every every monday i think it was right um so they'd got a record of what could what they'd been doing yeah um they also set up um what they called pie days which were public information event days mm. where they'd have a marquee in the car park of the uh, local meeting room and invite the public to free food um, and to talk to members of the of the congregation and a bible they wouldn't yeah and give them a bible they weren't allowed to they didn't, as far as i'm aware they were always very careful about letting anyone actually in the room so these were um, held in the car parts in the marquee rather than mm -hmm. actually yeah. coming to our church yeah around. so it's not it's not like it's not like a you know a standard church where they're going come in and have a look around it'd be a marquee with um, a catering setup and i remember being um you know you, you if you volunteered to help out you'd be selected to serve on a particular team so you could be on the catering 
you could be on the, the PR team, you could be doing car parking, you could be, there was even, um, there was even young people walking around the local areas with like sandwich boards mm. um, to, you know, to direct people to the events. Um, okay. And then there was obviously the, 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 the setup of RRT, um, the rapid, uh, rapid relief team or something like mm. that, um, which basically was uh, a team set up in every place um, where they would attend um, accidents, fires. Um, it was more, to start with, it was more emergency events, but then I think it's progressed to public events such as, you know, handing out water at, you know, public races and stuff. And um, and they got, there's still to this day, there's very much, um, the, the, the branding on that is, is huge. You know, they've got marquee um, gazebos printed up. They've got trailers printed up with their name on it. Um, all all sorts of things that you know they, they do to try and demonstrate. And and you know the <laughs> the sad thing is you speak to people who have been on the receiving end of these events or these you know these helps, and they go, oh yeah, no, that was you know they were really kind, they were really generous. And it's like, yeah, if only you knew the meaning behind it. If you actually knew the the true. <laughs> The true reason yeah. it's being done, um, yes, and and what else has been done in, in from the form of uh, their practices? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was certainly one of the the big things. But I mean, there was, I mean, behind the scenes, there was all sorts being done. I, I can remember um, it being arranged for for everybody to go to um, a brethren's business premises after their evening meeting. To have a presentation about what was what was being done and what was the update, and you know there was quotes from um, there was quotes read out from various hierarchical people in the peeps, and one of, one of the quotes I distinctly remember was um, was from the top, and that was about he said use the word go for the underbelly, right? Um, talking about you know going going for going for the charity commission where they're vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 my memory of it. Obviously, others have left more recently than me, but um, yeah. Is that sort of what you, Anne, and Ross and Abby, you remember? Yeah. Sorry, I would just I did want to mention that before this time, we were forbidden to give to any charity. That's true. I yeah, think that's so. Point that I I I mean I remember as a child having to turn away and you know put my head the other way as I walked past anybody with a collection box. And even, yeah. you know, those those little ones you used to see outside Woolworths or whatever, we were never allowed to put even anything in there because we were taught that that was joining with the world. But yeah, that was the, th the thing that struck me most when the whole charity commission thing came along was how mm. all that just turned around in an instant, you know, and we were collecting for the British Heart Foundation and people were at the traffic lights with buckets you know mm. as in brethren mm. you know and uh, yeah i didn't thankfully i didn't have to do it but you know you'd see women <laughs> with their flowing hair and skirts flapping in the wind collecting money for whatever charity and yet for oh i don't know how many decades we had never been allowed to mm. give in any way and suddenly it was so obvious it was so obvious to me um, that it was just all a publicity stunt, mm. um, and, and 
you know, I, it was honestly one of the further things that made me realise how wrong the system was. Yeah. And even the interaction of, you know, just having to do with people outside of the peeps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for years that had been, you know, frowned upon, all of a sudden you were, you know, you were interacting with them, you know. I, and I, I can remember, it's just come back to me, actually, one memory of we were, so we, I was, I volunteered for the, the RRT at one point, and I can remember we were attending a fire in a big scrapyard in Birmingham. And um, so, you know, so we were there portraying this very generous um, image of, you know, feeding, giving people refreshments. But then we were instructed, well, not, not me personally, but some of the team were instructed to go to the local Tesco's and speak to the manager and see if they would donate the refreshments. So right. here, we, here, right. we are, here we are saying, oh, yeah, we're giving you this food free, but actually, You're going. the other, the other <laughs> hand, we're trying, to, we're trying to wangle it for free from the local <laughs> supermarket. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and another thing I remember is, um, going back about the um, street preaching, we, never, we used to hand out tract or pamphlets, mm. and prior to this matter coming out, um, if you, if you, as a passerby, had received one, you wouldn't have a clue who it came from. Mm. Um, but when all this um, Charity Commission stuff started, we were instructed to stamp on the back with the local church trust details. So that people would advertise. Yeah, advertise. Yeah. So what, what year would this have been approximately from your memory, roughly? From my memory, it was more... 2011 to mm, yeah. when I left in 2013, but um, um, I, I wasn't aware that it st actually started back in 2009. To be honest, yeah, yeah. It. I mean, it, when you read through the full report, it was actually 2009. They called into question, and there was a lot of toing and froing between the breath, the trust lawyers and the charity commission lawyers. But that would kind of make sense because the charity commission were left with um, sort of. They they had to make the decision to refuse charitable status, and I think it was the back end of 2012 because they appealed it in June 2012, um, on, and then uh, in in order for it to go to a first tier tribunal for it to be debated. And what's interesting, their reasons for, and I'm I'm reading this from their report about the whole um, business. It said the commission was not satisfied that access to religious services was sufficiently open to the public and thought that the religious doctrines and practices of the PBCC limited the engagement of Preston Down Trust with the community beyond the brethren themselves and had a limited beneficial impact on the wider community. So that was their reasons for turning it down. They go on to say the Commission was also generally aware of allegations with regard to detriment and harm, which might mitigate against any public benefits, but at that point had no direct evidence of it. So that wasn't taken into their decision. What happened next for me, who was outside the Brethren's point of view, was amongst the ex-Brethren circles, a lot of us submitted statements about the way we were treated and the commission went on to collect, um, if you like, the detriment and harm. And why this was relevant, it's not actually, and I'm, I'm sounding devil's advocate and actually saying this, it's not actually unreasonable, that, although we know it's hypocritical, that the Brethren should change their practices 
in order to be seen to be charitable. From a regulatory point of view, that is acceptable because that is the Charity Commission saying, look, if you want to keep your status, you're going to have to do more. And if they do more, that's okay. So although we all think it's very hypocritical from a law and a regulatory point of view, that is okay. But then what came to light was the huge amount of harm and detriment they've done to people, which we all know about. And there is in law where it says, even if a charity is there for public benefit, if the harm and the detriment outweighs that public benefit, then they can't be a charity. So in a sense, the Charity Commission's decision changed if you see what I mean, because mm. they then had to consider the way the brethren were and not just what they did for public benefit. And what I wanted to do was actually, if I turn to um, page 19 of the report, is actually read out the concerns the Charity Commission directly raised with um, Preston Down Trust that worried them, because... The Brethren have kept their charitable status on the basis that these concerns have been addressed. And yes, some thoughts on that would be good. Um, so the first one was the nature and the doctrines of the PBCC generally. That was their first concern. And they bullet pointed that to say the imposition and control of strict codes of behaviour be pervading all aspects of life, restricting freedom of choice through a centralised and authoritative system. <laughs> that hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> I didn't think it had, Abby. No. The second um, one was, yeah, go on. No, it's like they are getting more and more and more strict mm. as time goes on. Yeah. It's a sort of they, letting go of certain things to to show an outward thing, isn't there? But yeah. inside, they're getting stricter, aren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you can't even travel without putting no. your name on a piece of paper. You, I, I, I know that for a fact as well, Abby, now, for that you have to actually ask for permission and fill in a form about why you want to travel. So, for example, if you wanted to go and see your children in a different meeting, you can't just go over there and see them. You have to ask permission. Um, Both ends. So you have to yeah. ask priests at your end and priests at their end. At the other end. And I understand if you want to move house, that couldn't be done without right. being sanctioned. So, and you can only what do they move call it? Sorry, Russ. Sorry. So you can only move to a certain area as well. You're not free to move exactly where you want to. Yeah. Re Relocation yeah, what, commission. That's it. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, we could go on at great length about this um, because we've seen it in our families, haven't we? The ones that are in there, how controlled their lives are and how little choice they have. Um, I remember being told um, by my dad when I left that being born in the Brethren, you don't have a choice. Those were his words. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, you, you, that, you that, do. That, oh, stop. You do not have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And as I say, as we read these out, and there are a few of them, the idea was as i say that the faith in practice document that the trusts adopted is mitigating against all this the second one is the nature and impact of disciplinary practices and then the bullet points are variations in the practice of disciplinary action of an arbitrary nature are subject to the judgment of the leaders in the assembly 
harsh disciplinary action taken in relation to often minor deviation or transgression. Physical separation of family members during the disciplinary processes with family members living separate lives with little or no contact, often leading to permanent divisions in families. Detrimental impact on health and well-being of those subject to discipline and their family members and lack of support and isolation from friends within the Brethren community. These were the Charity Commission's concern between 2012 and 2014. They are all absolutely valid concerns. Yeah. Still, still have they changed. And still, still current. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say, absolutely. have they changed? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. More so almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my experience, you were even separate in your own house when you were confined. You yeah. Know, you have your meals in your bedroom. You couldn't yeah. run in the house while your parents were there. So, yeah. They, they mentioned that in the detail of the report, Ross, how if a family member was confined. They had um, an independent expert actually look at the practice of um, the brethren, Dr. Eileen Barker, who um, is a knowledgeable professor in such things to do with sort of totalitarian groups. And she brought that up, how if you were confined, you were separated from your immediate family. And we know that husbands are separated from wives, aren't they? And the harm that can cause. Yeah. So that's yeah, like, disciplinary I'm, practice. Mm. Sorry, I'm helping quite a few people at the moment leave. Yeah. And people are literally just left to it. Yeah. They're like, go on then, see how far you get. And they yeah. want you, they will set, try and set you up to fail. Mm. And some yes, of these that, young mm. people now that are leaving are some of the bravest, strongest people that I know. Mm. And what the brethren don't realise that they're actually doing is they are giving these individuals ammunition to fight even harder. Yeah. Mm. And to be even stronger and be like, no, you're not going to win. You've had yeah. enough control over my life. This is where it ends. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, you know, even family members are just like, you've made your decision. Yeah. Bye-bye. So from what we've seen between 2014, and I do pick that date because that was the year that all the trusts were supposed to have adopted and made the changes. So arguably before that, they would say, Oh, that's before we've changed. No. So but I thought, right, <laughs> I thought inside the Brethren before I left mm. that it had all changed. I fully mm. believed it. They had a review. They had this. They had that. They had labels for different things where they would contact people that were wrongly shut up or wrongly mm. withdrawn from and conversate with them and, like, try and offer a you know some kind of mediation to try and like lessen the wound of what they did i was on the receiving end of that were you <laughs> my husband oh yeah we had a little that visit worked. apology yeah <laughs> yes yeah um, <laughs> sorry go on Abby. no go on ross no, i was just going to say what you were saying before about um young people um leaving at the moment and you know basically being left to get on with it i know this is probably jumping on a bit but that is actually mentioned in the Need a variation anyway that um always help should be given yeah it is because you're absolutely right Ross because 
what, what we're kind of going through now is the bits that they were concerned about. And then what's in the deed of variation is absolutely that. If someone wants to leave, they'll help and support them. Yeah, sorry, um, I was jumping ahead. But no, I... no, go. It's fine. It's not a problem. Not a problem at all. But you're right. They're supposed to have addressed these concerns and sorted them out effectively. So that was um, disciplinary practices. And then um, the next bit was the impact and doctrines, the, sorry, excuse me, the impact of the doctrines and practices on those who leave the PBCC. So this was the Charity Commission's concern. The exclusory effect on family life and relationships where members leave as a result of complete severing of ties. Yes. Well, I can talk from very, very recent experience of someone that's very close to me who was um, really suffering with mental health and someone went to his father and said, look, this person needs you. And the father refused yeah. point blank to go and help this person. Yeah. And they literally, like, even for us, I've got nephews that I've never seen. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you are completely, like, I was talking to my husband about it the other day. We might as well, they might as well have had a funeral for us. Mm. It is. It's like a living death, isn't it? Yeah. And actually, you have to go through a grieving process. Yeah. To... That takes... Mm. It, it's yeah. actually harder to grieve for those who are alive. Oh, it yeah. is. It's, um, you know, I, I believe for me, that'll never stop that. No. I mean, on that score of that first sentence, Anne, I was going to say, when did you last hear from your children? Um, Early 2018. Yeah. Very brief conversation just to tell my eldest that I was going to New Zealand. Yeah. So that leads into the next point that the Charity Commission was concerned about. And it said where contact is made, this is infrequent and the quality of any contact and relationship is impoverished. And I mean, I, I experienced that with my brother and I think we'd all say that, wouldn't we? And I think to point out there as well, it's always us who are out that have to initiate contact. Yeah. They know who. Yeah. So, yeah, I, did, um, I hadn't had any reply from my dad over the last few months because he does always reply to my emails. They're very brief. We're well. He has started to put love dad and mum, which is good. Um, mm. But he hadn't replied since I sent the Father's Day. Um, so I actually sent him a message just the other day and surprisingly he did reply. At their age, I'm not sure if they're aware of what they should and shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah something else we'll come on to. I, I don't think most of the brethren are in many ways. Um, the next point, and this is something you touched on, Abby, absence of assistance and support to those who leave, including vulnerable children and young people. Well, you've given first-hand evidence that that still is the case. 100%. Um, yeah. The next point they were concerned about, those who leave are ostracised and consequently treated differently from other members of the public. And I think that's a fair point. I think 
a brethren member would be more friendly towards a never brethren member than an ex-brethren member. Absolutely. I, I think a good case in point is a recent um, a recent person we've had on the podcast, um, her dad's funeral, there are about 600 people and most of them yeah. were non-brethren oh, yes. to his body and yeah. she wasn't allowed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely good Good point, Ross. Um, yeah, I think that's um, fair. And of course, their view on that is that, you know, the, these worldly people are ignorant yeah. and weren't, aren't in the light, where mm. we have turned our backs in the light from the light, so we're massive sinners and evil. We're more, more worse sinners than they are. Yeah. And we're uh, infinitesimally significant. insignificant. <laughs> and we got we're, in. <laughs> we're wretched unfortunates that are consumed by our own wretchedness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that's um, how another, just... yeah. Another example of, of what you've just said, Jackie, mm. is um, my experience at the school where my yes. child goes to. Yes. So, um, there are mums there. I actually find it quite humorous, to be honest. Mm. Um, so just to clarify, this isn't a brethren school at this no, stage. This is a, a mainstream it's a state school. school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, a couple of the parents in particular will talk to non-brethren mm. parents as if it's just like normal conversation. When yeah. it comes to me saying good morning or how are you or whatever I say, I am met completely blanked. You're blanked. Absolutely yeah. blanked. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, at first it really hurt. Yeah. And actually I yeah. got really cross with one of the mums the other day because I said, see you later. And she just pretended to be on her phone. And I said, excuse me, don't ignore me. There's no need to be rude. Mm. Mm. And, and mm. then... The next day I said morning and used her name and she did it again. She ignored me and I turned around and looked at her and she was like, what is your problem? You have a problem, you do. And I'm just saying good morning. Like, yeah, yeah. you can't even be polite. No, no we just, no. just because I've left and, your and I think stupid that cult or yeah. church or whatever you want to call it doesn't make me any less human you can still no. be civil mm. like you're meant to be the most christian christians in the whole world you're god's chosen ones and yet when people choose to go on a different christian path because i'm still a christian i still go mm. to church when when people choose to go on a different christian path you're now wretched unfortunate yeah and you're you're scum yeah. honestly the way they look at me is like i'm just a piece of shit on the bottom yeah. of their shoe i think that absolutely sums it up and that's a really simple little thing but i think that absolutely sums up how we've seen and felt them treat ex-brethren members um i remember um i remember because i because my two did still go to the brethren school after mm. um and I used to go to all, I used to love actually going to the parents' evening. <laughs> Until I insisted with the teachers that I had a different yeah. time. Because I would sit there, you know, with trousers and hair. <laughs> anyway, but there was one particular time where the teachers, what they witnessed, all of them came to me afterwards. 
and said they couldn't believe it had happened. And it was it was when they were introducing the um, self-learning mm. thing and there was a, an actual meeting about it in the assembly hall. And um, I went there early to make sure I sat sort of in the middle of a row, you know. Mm. Yeah. And usually all the parents came in and sat away from me, behind me. My brother didn't even sit next to me. So I was left on, in the middle of this row on my own. Not one of them spoke to me. And afterwards, like I say, the head, the head and two of the teachers came to me and said they were absolutely disgusted about how I was treated in that meeting. Mm. I think teachers are really beginning to yeah. realise what realize that that's happening. About. Yeah, like so many teachers are leaving, so many teachers are speaking out, and yeah. there's not enough teachers for the kids. It's a good job they have got self-directed learning in Zoom because otherwise the kids are going to be the Lord yeah. providing for them by giving. Yes. Them. Yeah. On that point, I remember when lockdown started, they were like, "We've had some of the biggest private schools in the world." approach one school because we've got SDL sources. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um and they yeah. and they gloated about it. Anyway, that's just a by the way. But well, I, yeah. they were doing last. nothing new. They perhaps would just have done it before. It was nothing new. No. You know, nothing at all. The next point I think is would you say a simple yes to loss of social network and social isolation. That was the next concern. I think that happens to all of us when we leave initially, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's tough. Um, they were also concerned about impact on finances where persons have been dependent on the brethren for employment and mortgage. Um, I'm sure we can all cite cases where people have lost their jobs and income overnight. Yeah, well, well, you were I'm... in that situation, weren't you, Ross? Sorry, Abby. No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm in that situation now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where I'm potentially going to lose everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And they knew they knew when I left that I couldn't work. Mm. Um, so you know. Yeah. So we know that still happens, even um because the reason I'm going through these is because then I want to look at what they've said they'll do to mitigate and we can say, well, are they doing it from our experience, which Well, um, I think a lot of also, the employment factor mm. is something that is stopping hundreds of brethren yes. not to leave yeah. because, like, their wage levels are just—they're unrealistic for what they're worth on on the completely yeah employment like, market. There wouldn't mm. be a newly married person who works in sales that is on less than between 60 and mm. 80 grand mm. yeah 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 um, and it is a big um i mean the fact of the matter is the bottom line there to me and this is what i always say to somebody that's trying to leave we all know what happens to your work when you leave the brethren but actually your work and your faith are two totally separate things and one should not impact on the other mm. but it's very hard for somebody when they're inside to realize that i mean you had that didn't you gilly um, it, it, you probably realize it now but at the time yeah. 
you you don't have the mental capacity to fight that corner as well just to hold on to your job in the short term so you can get sorted do you oh and, and, but, but the other thing the other thing I'd, i want to point out on that is that what you've got in the peeps is is um people who are in jobs that they are completely not suited for yeah you know i, I look back to my time in sales if i you know i'm i've been out 10 years so i'm able to sort of analyze where you know, mistakes that i've made i wasn't ever really a salesperson mm. but i was shoehorned into that job and therefore when i left that's what i continued to look for and then mm. wondered why i failed at those jobs or you know got rid of made mm. redundant or whatever you know because i was working for a company that could being part of the being part of the peeps gave them extraordinary buying power so most places i could go in and just sell on price if nothing mm. else mm. and I think that's that's one of the things that really really frustrates me is is seeing people who leave want to go for the job they've been used to when in actual fact they're probably not actually not suited to it suited to it yeah um and therefore struggle to you know to find their place in in society because they're expecting to for that job to work out mm. yeah um, and lack of qualifications because you don't yeah. get qualifications yeah. inside yeah, that was one of their concerns later on. You're absolutely right, um, Abby. The next one on this list was loss of inheritance where relatives remain and leave their property to the brethren, which is encouraged. That was one of their concerns. Well, yeah. well, yeah. I well, think... I, I, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, I know for a fact, my grandparents had four children. Mm. Um, two, two were in, two were out. And when they passed away, the will was split between the two that were in. Okay, they didn't have a huge yeah. they didn't have a huge amount to give, but you know, yeah, they they were out, didn't, 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 mm. didn't you know, didn't get, a, yeah, didn't get a penny, no, no, and no. they weren't. I mean, as slightly aside, but they weren't even told that they'd passed uh, they'd passed away until after the funeral, it's and that was on the advice on, uh, on the advice of the elders. Yeah, yeah, that happened to my gran on my on my paternal side. Um, basically, mm. my other brother that was out. And she was counselled to leave it to us grandkids so the brother couldn't get his hands on any of it. And again, he wasn't told about yeah. it. He had to so, find out about it himself. Okay. Siblings do have a right to contest a will, but there's a very short time frame, and I'm not actually sure what it is. They don't have years to contest it. So if your parents pass away and you get nothing in your siblings do, you can contest it and probably be successful, but it's quite expensive and there's a short time frame. So um, plus the fact what I've heard is actually a lot of the time inheritance may be left to the Grace Trust or something like that. And in which case none of the siblings get it because it's all left to the brethren, but I don't know. Yeah, well it is. I've, yeah. It is. I've got so before before we left, because um, myself and my husband were traveling um on business mm. um, we were sent wills because we we were told we shouldn't have been traveling so obviously something was, bad was going to happen mm. so we were sent draft wills to fill out mm. um and everything like for example i direct that my burial should be under full control in every detail of the brethren with whom I take the Lord's Supper at the meeting room. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard this happens. Um, I appoint blah de blah and blah de blah to be guardians of my children during minority, and I direct that 
my children shall continue to be brought up among the brethren according to the Christian principles held among them. My executors shall hold the whole of my estate on trust, either to remain or sell it on the following trust. On the following trust, to pay debts, inheritance, tax, and executor expenses, to divide the residue equally among blah blah blah. It's all about. It's all about making sure you're tied in there. About yeah. making sure that everything that you own, including your children if you own your children, kind of, yeah. um, is given to the brethren. Nothing yeah. goes anywhere else. It's all designed. like all. The, there's two different wills. One of them is um, a bit simpler, but it, both of them refer to brethren. Yeah. Yeah, it's tiny, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not a way that you were allowed to do, was it? No. You couldn't go and get your own. What do they call them out here? I don't know. Yeah. No, you couldn't go and write your own, basically. No. 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 And leading on from that, they were also concerned about the inability to participate in funeral arrangements and services of brethren relatives. I think that's a bit hit and miss, if I'm honest. I think sometimes some people are, and sometimes there's point blank refus refusal, in my mm. experience. I don't know so much yeah. about subsequent to 2014. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I can't I can't prove it, but um I sincerely think that um my dad's burial was wangled so that I couldn't get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they changed yeah, the dates. They mm. well they well they reckoned that um the grave diggers weren't available at the public cemetery, so he was being buried. Oh, mm. Yeah. Well, no one's buried at a public cemetery anymore. Are they not? No. Mm. Uh, okay. It, it no. certainly sounds as if you, it was, it, they didn't make it easy for you to attend your dad's burial, even if you oh. wanted to, did they, Ross? And that was how long ago? That was relatively that recently. Was before, that was just before COVID. Yeah, yeah. And they certainly didn't phone you up and say, this is the date and time, be nice to see you. No, definitely. No, no. So I think like, they've, they've got, um, like, the meeting rooms with land have mm. graveyards. Yeah. On yeah. them, and um, so they're behind locked doors anyway. So not you, a public you can't cemetery. go and visit. So yeah. if you want to go and visit your loved ones, yeah, um, you have to. You're not allowed to take flowers. All the gravestones are the same. Um, you're not allowed to sit and mourn. There is someone there that will take you there, open the mm. gates, let you in, wait till you come out, and then lock up. Then lock there's up. no. There's no sentimentality to it that is their that is their plan you're not allowed to be sentimental about loved ones that you've lost and you know in Coventry there was a lady that lost her husband um and she was pregnant with his third child at the time um and she went through so much and like I know if like I lost a loved one like that or my husband like that I'd literally sit on that grave for days and boo mm. because I'm that kind mm. of person. But she never got that opportunity. She couldn't just no. pop up whenever she wanted to yeah. because you can't do that. Yeah. The only reason I say about public graveyard is that um, an ex-brother and friend of mine who has now sadly deceased, her parents died just before my dad and they were actually mm. buried in the public, public graveyard. Mm. I think the public graveyard... 
If there isn't one near, sometimes they do, don't they? Yeah, and the other thing is, I do know, and this is going back a long way, um, in the 60s, the brethren were very much encouraged to buy graves because my father bought one. Mm. And it could be that your friend's parents had a grave already. Yeah, but they only bought them in the late 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, no, but my, my oh, father, yeah, they bought them in the 60s, yeah. though, and that you keep, the, you, you buy them. So I don't know. I mean, I'm speculating. Yeah. That might yeah, I know, be. I know, I know. I know, I know that is the case with, with some of them where they've bought like doubles or triple graves. Yes, yeah, where you can um, um, and, use and there's still a there's still a space for the you know for the last remaining yeah. person. Then yeah. they will so use the person that I'm with at the moment, um, she just said that so she was buried at one brethren's meeting room and then they dug her up and moved her to somewhere else. Oh my because days. there wasn't permission. To bury her at that meeting room okay so i think what we can conclude for that although even if they are buried that if they can it, they, they will move them and bury them in the bread yeah room. yeah so um the last two points they no not last two there's about four six more but the last two are lumped together because this is quite a funny one that concerned funny peculiar fun uh that concerned the charity commission Threats of legal action against those who speak out against the brethren and Fear and anxiety of repercussions for themselves and family members who remain in the brethren. Do we think that still goes on? Yes, absolutely. I know yeah. so many people out here, ex-brethren, that have some of the most damning stories, like mm. heartbreaking, mm. but they are so afraid of speaking out, A, because of what could happen to them potentially, B, because they still have family and children inside and they don't want anything to ever happen to them because yeah. let's be honest <laughs> us speaking out here the stuff that's like being said about me yeah that's gone round that is completely 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 untrue mm. like if if i had children in there i probably wouldn't have spoken out because yeah. of the fear of what ha what would have happened to those children, the bullying mm. at the schools, are it is just the most horrendous bullying you can uh, that in my opinion exists. Yeah. So, and there's I, a I actually they, they, I I agree a bit, and I actually think I'm afraid the law profession has have to be a little bit accountable here, because I know of who in great detail totally unnecessary cases that were taken out to try and silence next member and the cases didn't have a leg to stand on mm. but the stress and the fear it induced it almost worked yeah but that's their plan that's their yeah. aim yeah 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 I, I thought long and hard before i came on here i know you did ross you were very mm. yeah mm. really and me yeah i mm. uh, yeah I remember when I first spoke out in uh, Sunday Times, Jackie, you remember? Yes, I do, back in 2015, yeah. And my, my ex-brother-in-law phoned me up and said, oh, you know, you'll you'll lose anything that you have with your kids. I haven't got anything. There's yeah. these little <laughs> breadcrumbs that they give you yeah. to mm. try and keep you quiet. Absolutely. They think, they think that, you know, saying hello maybe to your child once a year is enough for you to keep quiet no 
that's not a relationship. I had the same thing with my brother who's in, who um, has told me that he won't speak to me or doesn't want to speak to me because I'm so against the brethren. Um, but my comment back to that was, that would be okay if we had a fantastic relationship for the 25 years. I said absolutely nothing, which I did say nothing for 25 years. But we didn't. Nothing changed. You've just got an excuse to say it now. No. So it, it's... Yeah. This is why I finally came on because, yeah. you know, I hadn't spoken out for nine, ten years. It's really empowering well, to be able to tell your story, yeah. what happened to you, with yeah. no bullshit from the from the peeps. Yeah. Nothing. No interjections. No. Like, I remember when I was telling my story inside and they were like, but you have made mistakes before, haven't you, Abby? So maybe mm. there's a mistake in your... No. I, my memory is like the trauma in my memory is so mm. ingrained that I don't have anything about what I went through wrong. Thank mm. you very freaking much. Who went through mm. it? Me or you? No, me. Don't try yeah. and question. Um, so it's really empowering to be able to come onto a platform like this and actually tell your story. Definitely. Like, I don't have any fear. <laughs> yeah, but there's a strength yeah. in numbers, isn't there? There's a strength in numbers. And between... Um, you know, there's been, what, over 60 podcasts now. Mm. And there's a strength in the more people that speak out, the weaker their position to deny everything that goes on. And, it is. Is, and it's definitely rattling them. Oh, boy. I hope so. And, I, and I, think, I think the fact that it's women that started it, no disrespect mm. to you, mm. Gillian, but I think the fact that it's <laughs> it women that started it, that mm. they actually don't know what to do. I think you're right, Anne. Yeah, I think there's probably, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Now, the last bit they were concerned about, this is the last little bit, and this doesn't even touch on the most serious issue because I don't think it was even known about then. The impact of the doctrines and practices on children within the PBCC. The first bullet point is limitation on educational activities for children e.g limitations on the use of technology and censorship of materials within brethren schools That's so the... i probably am the only one on here that went to a brethren school right mm. yeah, i did i did i did you did all right all right you're not that old <laughs> Sorry, Gilly. You're not, that, you're, not that, you're not that much younger. <laughs> yeah. oh, come on. <laughs> so I went to. I can't. The most recent lever on here, then. Yeah. Put it well, that way. My children went as well. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I distinctly remember books like Resistance by Owen Shears. Mm. Um there is a relationship between one of the main female characters and one of the German soldiers, I think, from memory. This is like mm. nearly 10 years ago now, so if my memory's wrong, sorry. Um, and when they had sexual intercourse, that bit mm. was either cut out or it had an edited version yeah. stuck over the top of it. Yeah. And me being a stupid teenager, I would like hold it up to the light and try and read through it. Like, what actually yeah. happened here, guys? Yeah. Because I know something did. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I th yeah, I, I, I'm sure it still goes on. And um... no, because then mm. they, when the charity commissions stuff hit, there was no censored books. Mm. 
right. but then it went back to it went like, back like before. It, it, it yeah go back definitely because my mum she used to be she was an english teacher and she mm. was one of the people that was approved to uh, you could read them you could read all the naughty books to you say they were all naughty. The <laughs> what a job it was brilliant respect to your mum was yeah there was, yeah. There was some somewhere and it was it was mostly the women that were assigned to watch films and things to see oh, if they were and the, you know would advise yeah. what bits should be cut out and yet they yeah. got watching them you know yeah so the next point they made which i think we'd all agree well in my opinion is the same limited on social interaction with non-brethren children within and outside the school environment well those poor brethren kids from the age of seven who do they mix with no one apart yeah. from brethren ever yeah. so they go to even from under seven actually so there's children in my son's class and he's in preschool going into reception mm. and um they there are birthday invites sent out like yeah for the whole class and they don't get them they never go yeah well that, that's and, like the, the parents in the class have like kind of cottoned onto it and they're like why why waste an invite yeah. but then they're like oh no he must be kind yeah. but um Sorry, they still go home for their lunch. No, they are segregated in a different corner. Okay, so they sit separately. Uh, I mean, like I think from year different... two upwards in preschool yeah. at the moment, there's one child that stays for lunch, and the the mum is pretty chilled out, and mm. she just like lets the kid. Mm. Where so when they're at school between the you know preschool and up to the age of um i think it's first year junior isn't it this eight seven years old they go to a brethren school yeah yeah it would probably be very similar to how it was when i was at school and i went to a mainstream school but i could not partake in anything but i did have interaction with people at school so i could talk to the other pupils there mm. um, oh yeah you can talk to them but you wouldn't if that's yeah. only at school yeah, only oh, absolutely. Looking. You wouldn't interact outside. No. So I think we can safely say that that concern of limited interaction outside of Brethren schools is still the case. Hmm. Um, the other thing they, I'll, I'll lump these two together, the last two points they're concerned about with children, the inability to attend university as the lifestyle conflicts with Brethren principles and practices and limited career opportunities due to restrictions on education and for girls who are expected to marry and have children. That's another concern of theirs that they put in the report. <laughs> well, what Anything else are girls expected to do yeah. other than that? in there yeah. like you have in australia because obviously i went to the sydney school their curriculum for girls are even more tailored than they are over here yeah. so they would have dolls that would like cry and stuff and you'd take them home and the doll that cried the least and had all its needs met you'd get a score yeah and so they're grooming them for for motherhood absolutely and I 100%. think the biggest problem to me with that is actually what Gilly touched on earlier, that if you get or somebody of any age leave the Brethren now, their education and career experience is so limited mm. that, I mean, a, a lot of people that leave have to lower their expectations if they're looking for work. Would that be a fair thing to say compared to what they yeah. had in the Brethren? Yeah, 100%. The point on that is, 
and I'm not, it's not a defence, but the you know the extortionate wages that, that you know the young married males mm. get is is to substitute because the wives at home. Yeah, yeah. So you know so, you, you mentioned you met, like Abby mentioned the figure of you know sixty eighty grand. That's yeah. actually the equivalent of a couple earning thirty grand each, which is an yeah. unrealistic. Mm. But you get that into your brain that you are going to get a job that's pays yeah. you sixty grand. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't you know have I mean? anything against, like the traditional roles exactly. Mm. Of you know that's what's the man goes to work, the woman stays at home. But you've mm. got to think like there's only one um female proper proper business owner that i know in the whole of the brethren system and that's called zemba and um her business employs married um married or unmarried sisters to do admin work for like random companies mm. and she married um Owen Holder who is who who lost his whole family in a really tragic awful car accident back in what 2000 yeah. it was in Argentina wasn't it that's what right it's a long time ago yeah, yeah it's ages ago um so she set up this business and she's the only female entrepreneur that I know in the whole of in the whole. Yeah, of it's the, generally not encouraged, is it? It's, no. no. And but, but that's not, my own business. Yeah. You did. Yeah, yeah, you did. But what in a sense, in a sense, that I was a bit mm, yeah. dissatisfied, and they thought it would help my mental health. Oh, that you were allowed to do it. I didn't. Yes. Know, I, I part employed. I did have part time mm. young sisters working for me. But mm. my uncle supplied me with premises. I mean, in a sense, something like that. But it, it's it's more. Um, I think what they were is is because your sphere of knowledge, worldly wise knowledge, is so limited in the work field because your employment opportunities, as as Gilly said, you're you're shoehorned into a role that may not be suited to you. I mean, what would happen? If you really wanted to be a nurse, or re it, it couldn't happen, but it's so. Um, um, I've got some things that Bruce Helzer said about universities. Um, he said that there are persons that have gone to university as Christians and come out as infidels because mm. of the power of a wrong mind and a faulty mind. University education narrows you. So that's why we can say to people, we don't need to go to university because we want to retain a broad outlook. We don't want to be narrowed up like you are. We want to be broad. Brethren in the main left universities 40 years ago. And he said that in 2007. So the brethren have moved forward. It's really a fellowship to go to university full time, enrolled there. That's another fellowship. That's the way I see it. So if I want to be in this fellowship, I can't be in that fellowship. Learned people that have been to university and they've come up under certain professors and these professors have had a great influence on them, even moulded their thinking. It could have changed them from thinking a Christian way. And then he says, the idea of going to a university, it would be leading into the place of a skull. 
which is a scriptural reference. Mm. You can come. So basically, they don't approve of university. Not at all. No, which we know, which we know. And I'll come on to what they told the Charity Commission they do do about higher education in a moment. So having looked at all those areas they were particularly concerned about and had evidence of, I'll praise what they said. Um, they put them all to the Preston Down Trust and the Preston Down Trust, they indicated that some of the allegations were of a historic nature, but they did acknowledge that past mistakes in relation to its disciplinary practices. So this would be about 2013. They further demonstrated willingness to make amends for these and to do what they could as a Christian organisation to ensure, as far as it was consistent with its religious belief, it would act with Christian compassion in the future, particularly <laughs> in its dealings with the disciplines of disciplinary practices and in its relationships with former members of the Brethren. My husband's and Gilly's uncle... Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. They so they had like a sorry session. Yeah. And um my husband's parents invited um so it's a mum's brother. Yeah. And they invited him over every Saturday evening from memory. It was one evening of the week anyway. And it happened I think it was three times off the top of my head mm. and then the priest clamped down on it and said that this isn't right and um that evening the other brother was coming over from Germany and he was mm. halfway over here and they rang him and they said sorry you can't come anymore because the priests have said that it's not right and that was it. We're, we're breaking down separation and yeah. that was it they never saw him again and my husband has vivid memories of that mm. and the memories tie up with his uncles and that's what happened. So they yeah. they had their sorry sessions, but they meant absolutely nothing. Unless, no, nothing was un unless you were prepared to go back. That was all they were about. And yes. When, when yes, it started getting out of hand. Yeah, definitely. John Hales. There was, a, there was a couple in Peterborough I used to have there. Um, who was out? He used to come over every Saturday, and as soon as the priest knew that basically he wasn't wanting to come back, it was shut right down. Yeah. Okay, so it still happens, and the commission concluded that they said they considered there is enough evidence to support the view that there are elements of detriment and harm which are in real danger of outweighing public benefit although it did acknowledge these haven't been tested under cross-examination. The, the next interesting sentence, I thought, the most serious detriment and harm related in the Commission's view to the allegations of the treatment of ex-brethren and to the disciplinary practices. The Commission asked the PBCC to address these issues, which they were willing to do so. On paper. <laughs> Thank so, you, Abby. Yeah. I mean, this is this is their full report. This is how they've drawn their conclusion. Um, no, I mean, um, the Brethren yeah. would have been willing to do so on paper. They would, whether, I agree. Whether they actually did it is was another thing. Another so, thing. What, what they've done now. is, what, sorry, what they've done is they've, no. they've turned it around and tried to 
to say it's the individual's choice. They have. How can we overcome that? Because we know that it's not the individual's choice. You know, I only have to read that message of my youngest Oscar's text Mm. um, to somebody who's now out, who was in at the time, where he says, I love her and I know she loves me. Mm. I didn't want to leave her, but it was torn because she was against Bruce Hales. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that question, Anne, but what I do think is if anybody in the Brethren watches these podcasts, well, please do watch them. They do. You, they do. You do have a choice. And because of this document, you can make that choice to get in touch with your family outside. And there is actually nothing the Brethren can do about it. And if enough people inside know that... They do do something about it. And this is the problem, Jackie. They absolutely annihilate you. And and I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, but if enough people do it, so it's not an isolated incident, eventually it could change. I'll tell you why I say that. I'll tell you why I say that. Maybe I'm an optimist. I've been told that... I personally, I'm trying to take the residents charitable status away. I wish I had that power. I don't. Okay. <laughs> There's no way. It's not a case of trying to take their charitable status away. If they behave as they've agreed to behave. The problem we have as ex-members is there's, a, as we've said, this agreement on paper, and we'll go through the points that they've agreed to mitigate against all those things the commission were concerned about. And they're carrying on as if it didn't happen. So our job, in a sense, is to try, and it will be slow going, to empower those inside to be strong enough to actually enforce it. Now, I agree they do. At this point, Abby, I know if they do, you get into trouble for contacting somebody. But fear can be broken down, I believe that. With enough force, fear can be broken down. Is is this a good point to bring in that members actually don't know about this document because they've not been given a copy? Yeah. Well, that was another thing. I thought everyone was meant, every household was meant to have a signed copy. Well, we never had one. Not not every household, every person over the age of 18 was supposed to have an individual copy. No, I never saw it. And, And to keep it. So I can tell you now that this was a concern raised with the commission at the time is that the trustees will agree to the changes written um, in the deed of variation that they adopt, but the brethren wouldn't know about it. So your children, Anne, and all the rest of our families wouldn't know that actually they are allowed to contact us. I'll put it this way. By the time I I left, as far as I know, my dad and mum didn't know what was actually contained in the document. No. That was no. 2014. But I so think what, a, a really big point to make here is that you are indoctrinated mm. to think that you can't... That you don't have a choice. Mm. And yeah, that I you agree. can't contact people. Like, and it's not just a document that's going to undo that indoctrination because it's put into your heart, it's put into your mind, it's put into your soul that these people that have left are evil and they're against God and they're mm. against Bruce Hales and they're against Christ. 
Um, so that comes on to the other argument we could use the other way we could approach it in a moment but i do know what they did to mitigate that problem was i don't know if it was every meeting i think it was that the document was actually read out in the meeting and i know for a fact that it was handed to every male over 18 as they walked into the meeting room the deed of variation was read out and it was said at the end of the meeting they have to hand the document back yeah, but and I think that happened and then basically probably most of the brethren kind of thought the charity commission matter sorted and carried why on. Why only male? Plus. And, and also, <laughs> you know, how, how do you retain the information in no. that short amount of time you don't? No, you, you can't do that. The whole document was could have been read anyway. Yeah, it was. I, I I think they just probably just read out the faith in practice bit, which was the added bit to the deeds, and they had to do that in order because legally they have to incorporate it in the trust deeds, and the congregation have to agree to it. Well, they're not going to just you know, but that's their their way of doing it. But I think yeah, absolutely right, Abby, that the 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 majority of people in the brethren are not aware of the content of this document. Hopefully, if they listen to this podcast, they might be a bit more aware <laughs> afterwards. Um, the document, I agree, it's an indoctrination that's in your heart and your head from birth. Mm. But the document is the closest thing to any accountability that we've got at the moment, really. Yeah. Do you think there needs to be like a review with the Charity Commissions? Is that yes. something the Charities Commission would actually in, like um, in, entertain? Do you think yes. they'd. I mean, like, we're, because... we're more than 10 years down the line now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like look at the amount of um, sexual abuse cases that have yes. come out since then. Look at the amount of domestic abuse cases that have come out since then. Yeah, um, it illustrates the serious, serious harm that is happening so, inside there. And just because there's a beautiful flash red RRT sign mm -hmm. um, in front of you know bushfire scoured background doesn't yeah. mean that they're charitable at all no no, no. there's two ways i think the first way i've mentioned is about trying to get people inside to realize they do have a choice but i do totally accept that is a difficult road to climb because of your mind because of the mindset when you're in i was there myself the second way is a review but the only way the charity commission are a regulatory body a regulatory body won't investigate because somebody says something's happening they need hard evidence yeah, it's class, and that actually. evidence needs to be tried in a in a, a high court mm. and the charity commission they've actually so if you were to raise a concern with the Charity Commission, we can put the link on the podcast in the chat bit of it. There's a specific form that you need to use. Um, or you can just Google raise a concern about a charity. And there's instructions on the sorts of things they will investigate. And I will just read them out. There's only six or seven of them um, because we can then sort of perhaps realise where we think how the brethren behave comes. So the first one is a charity not following the law with serious damaging consequences to its reputation and public trust in charities generally. I think it'd be fair to say they're not doing illegal things in the Charity Commission's eyes. 
yeah, but they will separate themselves from that. Yeah. How how do we get over that? Because they okay, well, you, they'll got... say that they that 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 those cases they don't agree with that. So how you know they'll say that's nothing to do with us. But what underlying all that, and we talked about this with Jeremy, underlying it is that mm. the PBCC are producing mm. people that are so badly damaged mm. in lots of ways that they are doing bad things. But how do we... <laughs> it's so difficult. It is very difficult. I think, I mean, the, the category I think most of what we talk about would come into for something they would investigate is serious harm to the people the charity helps or other people who come in contact with the charity through its work. And I think that that kind of encompasses. But what you'd have to do, you it would need to be. It can't be one person sending in lots of stories. It has to be everybody motivated to send in what has happened to them. And it's also quite hard when you report um, something like this because it cannot be emotive. It has to be, this is what Back happened. Choice. Yeah, this is what happened to me, despite them saying, I mean, if you use, you mentioned, Abby, that you know of some recent leavers that have been given absolutely no help at all. So the facts are, here is this person who, or people, whoever they might be, who were left with barely the shirt they were wearing on their back. Yeah. And yet you have agreed to financially help and support anyone who chooses to leave. Mm. So that that's the kind of factual. The other slight problem with reporting you can't report the PBCC because the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church is not a registered charity. It's a business. It's a limited company. Oh, so you, says it all, doesn't it? It does, really. <laughs> so you have to actually report the individual gospel hall trust that that person came from. So, for example, you came from Coventry Abbey and I came from Luton and Anne was from, you know, Warren Point. It would have to be people reporting each individual trust that would then help the charity commission to realise, ah, actually, these all come under the same church. But you have to report each individual trust. Now, that is quite a minefield because mm. it would be easy to say, I came from the meeting of Luton, therefore it's the Luton Gospel Hall Trust. It isn't. They have obscure names. The most bizarre so, names. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what even this Preston down? I couldn't even tell you what that was. Oh, it's a, it's a town in Devon. I mean, it, but it's nothing yet. So that's so you have to, you know, get the. But trust. they've made it that way. Come on, I, I suspect they probably have. Yes. In Peterborough, we had the Welland Trust and the Cavendish Trust. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, and you and every trust is publicly listed on the Charity Commission website. So you could go on to the trust of the meeting you came from, the trustees are there and the contact details are there.
but the thing there. is, it makes it even more a minefield because they have separate trusts for not just the main yeah. halls. They have separate trusts for all the subdivisional yeah. as well. So yeah. there's yeah. more than one trust per locality. Yes. Right. Yeah. And also, I'd be really wary because you know you're going to get a knock on the door from them people, from those trustees. You know that you are. You probably wouldn't, as in if, if how it would work, if then you filled in this form and you reported the ex-Gospel Hall Trust, and this was my concern, I tried to leave and I was given no support and they forbid me to speak to my mother or whatever has happened, and I believe this is in breach of what the trustees... Bear in mind, the report says the faith in practice document where they agreed to help people that leave and to keep up relationships with ex-members, they've also said is legally binding on the trustees. So they are legally bound. So there's going to be people going to jail then? or Well, I don't know if it'd go that far, but I am 99% certain that a letter from the Charity Commission to a trustee saying, I am concerned about what I've heard, can I hear your side of the story, would make them move. Mm. A lot of trustees (laughs) resigning. You'd have a lot of trustee changes. Mm. That's the thing, and they'll just get someone new in. But they can't, Abby, because they have to be accountable to the Charity Commission. So actually it would be the trust, you know, if they suddenly have a complaint and three of the trustees resign and three come in, the regulatory body would see that as suspicious. But what it needs is enough people to feel strongly enough to report their stories to the Charity Commission, which they can do through the website. And I think if there were enough, there is already quite a lot on file that has gone on file because I know lots of people have reported incidences and they've kept it on file. And the more that goes on there, the more the Charity Commission will be pressured into looking at this and to see whether the PBC really have changed as they they assured the Charity Commission they would back in 2014. Okay. So... Yeah, so would, would I be able to use, like, that message of Oscars? Yes. And say the, the letter... From Natasha that I got in 2017, which is is very clear why she can't have anything to do with me. Yeah, can I use those? Yeah, because as a regulator, they like hard evidence, so it's actually better you do use those things because then they've got. Think you can always anonymize them um, if you don't want Oscar, you know, your son's name in it, but they actually prefer hard evidence like that because the letter and the text message. You can't deny you received that. Mm. It, it, it's, that's actual evidence. Mm. Um, and what, I think, what about the emails I sent to my mum? Could I use them? It depends what they say, Ross, because, um, yeah. Um, but that's the sort uh, of thing I, they want. Yeah, go on. Obviously, I referenced about her not even giving me a kiss. Yes. Because it would be a breach of the testimony. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever whenever I talk, spoke out in 2018, whatever it was, and I mentioned that some of the words out of that letter of Natasha's, I mean, it, it was so, like, they turned around, well, first of all, they assigned her a lawyer. Yes. And, and then on top of that, they got her to tell lies about me, to say that that wasn't why she left home, even yeah. though it's in the letter. 
Yeah. But you know, she came she came back to the to the journalist with all this rubbish. Yeah. And well, this is the thing. They've got so much son, money. They said mm. that as well about they yeah, I was a gambler and I was this and I was that. <laughs> yeah. I wish well, you had a gambler like I'm so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that is sometimes helpful is if you were wanting to raise a concern is that you you stipulate why you think it's a, the trustees are in breach of that um document so for example uh, i've just got some of the things they agreed um here let's pick the obvious one about helping people that leave i'm just scrolling down um here we go. So what they put in this document, where persons seek to leave the community, reasonable assistance should be afforded to them in terms of support and or financial assistance relating to employment and other matters where they have been dependent on the community for that support. So in other words, if you've got a situation where that hasn't happened, you actually directly relate it to that and say, you know, this person left and there is no way that that happened. Um, and I believe it's in breach of that document. And how about if it happened, but it was the actual family that had to cough up rather than the brethren themselves? I don't know is the answer to that, because they would probably argue, well, we did try and help. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that, um, that clause. <laughs> That clause was that clause was put to my brother. That very clause. Mm. His his reply to the person who sent it to him was, "You've taken the words out of context." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, we heard that how, how, how can you take yeah. it out of context? It's you quite clear. You can't. I mean, and and this is why we need somebody independent of us and brethren. Because let's face it, we've all got a bias because we've all got our stories, haven't we? To to review it, somebody independent needs to look at it and make that yeah. decision. Yeah. The, the other person. One, hmm. Can I just quickly say, Jackie, that the person yeah. that I'm with at the moment um, sent that this document that we're talking about to the priest hmm. and the family. Hmm. We'll, we'll wait for Abby to come back. Um, the other one I wanted to read out while we are still um, recording is regarding family relationships. You'll come back in. And it says reasonable steps should also be taken in these cases, consistent with and subject to any legal requirements applying to the persons involved and the human rights of any persons involved to allow the continuation of family relationships where a family member has left the community, including providing access to family members, in particular children. And it doesn't um, say how old the children are either. It doesn't. It doesn't. Now, as somebody said earlier, the caveat they've put in is that all of these things are each brethren member's individual choice. And I, I'm paraphrasing now because I can't find the paragraph. And they make that choice based on their knowledge of the scriptures and the recent ministries. Yeah, so so that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Because that it, then links it. They are making a choice based on. Yeah. They are yeah. not making a choice. No, they're not. They're not linking to a yeah. system. Yeah, they're not making a choice of their own free will. It is based on something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, I think in, in approaching 
like in doing anything like this towards the charity commission i think it's important like as you say jackie that it's not about taking away their charitable status what we want and what they can't seem to what the brethren can't seem to realize those at the top can't seem to realize is if they'd only let us live and Mm. and, and be with those we love Mm. yeah yeah. That, 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 we're not asking more than that. No, totally. Uh, I, I really, really need my moment. And yeah. yeah. Totally, Ross. And this is what, you know, the brethren have got some, in, in a lot of people's opinion, some funny rules and regulations. But actually, they're quite entitled to have those. We live in a world where we have religious freedom. If they choose not to eat and drink with anybody, I can live with that. Yeah. But... I, it doesn't bother me not to have a cup of tea with my family, um, but it, to not to have them not speak to you and to have them cut you out, that's not right. Um, the, prob- the problem there is uh, we, we know we know from recent uh, evidence that the, the person at the top has actually gone so brave and so um, uh, uh, so brazen about it that they have publicly said in their you know in their published printings that brethren shouldn't be having anything to do with yeah. anyone yeah. who's left which yeah. is in direct breach of the agreement but the problem the problem we have is that they've got so confident that no one's going to do anything yeah. about it if if your child read in black and white or if any of our loved ones read in black and white you'll be better to take rat poison or cyanide yeah. rather than have contact with us. Yeah. How can you cannot blame them? No, you can't. That means they don't have a choice. No. No, and they you don't can have say a all you like that was taken out of context. It's mm. there in black and white. There's nothing yeah. to take out of context. No. no. No, I agree. And I think that's probably the sort of purpose of why we wanted to actually talk about this on a podcast is because if we can help people that have got stories as to how they can perhaps effect change, if the Charity Commission realise that, in a word, the Brethren are not sticking to what they agreed, we actually met with the Charity Commission in 2015. And as a regulator, they told us that they would rather encourage a charity to change than take away their status. And I get that. Taking away the status is a huge legal implications. But what they've done, essentially, they've accepted that the brethren have said they've changed. But to everybody that's tried to leave or have contact with families since 2014, nothing has changed. Nothing. And they only have to make those changes. Yeah. And there was even an MP who was in favour, you know, who was against the Commission's ruling that at the time that said that said to the Charity Commission, you've allowed yourselves to be paid out yeah. because of how much money the peeps were throwing at it. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, the Charity Commission, if you look at it from their point of view, they're a leg- regulatory body. Yes. They don't have unlimited resources to fight, something no. like that. No, no, and also- when you look at the millions that were thrown at it... Yeah. They're also a publicly funded body. They're funded by the government. And in the report, when it talks about it not going to court and why they made this agreement, um, they said they took into account that they have to be careful about how they spend public money. And a high court would have cost the public a lot of money. 
they've only got a certain budget for the year and they can't be seen to spend it all on one particular no. channel, can they? No. Because they would have to actually do that. Mm. Yeah. Because look at the money that the browser can yeah. put into it. I mean, the, the concerns they had and the evidence the Charity Commission had in 2014 was due to go to the High Court in January 2014. Mm. And this agreement was adopted like four or five days before and the High Court case was cancelled. It was that close to the wire. But that's um, a very, that's a very typical high-level lawyer. Um, like, so in my sexual abuse case, it was ready yeah. to go to trial. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, right at that last minute, they put guilty pleas in. Yeah. It's a very clever, manipulative yes. um, move, which only yeah. really high-end high cost lawyers will be prepared to do mm. yeah but then it saves them a trial because ultimately at the trial let's be honest they wouldn't have got they wouldn't have got charity charitable status i think it they would have been having, very close yeah. they were having prayer meetings like every i think at the like when it got hot like the fire was hot mm. it was like before every meeting they would have like a special charity commission matter like, and the, like, one even have, these... like the one they have every wednesday about us yes, yes. i yeah, feel so privileged oh yeah, yeah. oh Isn't that important yes yeah. Yeah. it's this podcast and our stories are having more of an impact than i think even they realize yeah so well that's what i hope and i hope as a result of this one tonight and our discussions if they reach people inside the brethren, they may not. They may feel they can't act, and I understand that. I I do get the mindset. Although it'd be lovely if they could, I do get it. Me too, because I've been but, in that mindset. Yeah, yeah. so have I a long time have. ago. But same here. Not we're long ago for me. We, we wouldn't have dared contact. Um, and but we all knew that that charity, the RRT, was set up because. Yeah. everyone knows that there is no yeah. denying that oh, anyone yeah. in there well, does not know that unfortunately yeah it, the motives were not genuine and, and unfortunately that was also addressed in the report because what the commission said about that it, it they said it was suggested to them that the motives behind it were purely to retain charitable status but unfortunately the commission can't judge on motive they can only judge on evidence Ah, and at the time, the evidence was they were there was evidence of ongoing wider participation with the you know with the community wider. Community. Well, there is now there is yeah. because look at all the like fancy Facebook posts and the social media yeah. posts and yeah. the like meeting the prime minister and like I remember when that happened um, at Grenfell and there was like an email sent around afterwards that under no circumstances those um photographs of boris johnson shaking yeah oh some i think it was it, it, it was potentially glenn RRT stacy stand, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah shaking his hand because yeah. it could be used well of course it could be freaking used like we yeah. all know why that happened it yeah. wasn't just oh he walked past our tent yeah like i mean i think 
whatever we think about the charity the brethren do and the motives and the falseness of it and i believe all of that is there from the commission's point of view that probably evidences they are there for public benefit mm -hmm. but what they don't address is the harm and detriment that's going on in the background and that's the other aspect if the harm they cause to people inside the brethren and to those that leave outweighs the public benefit which was where they were at in 2012 at the end of 2012 um, beginning of 2012 sorry they even though they do that public benefit they still i'm not sure charitable. if it outweighs i'm not sure if it outweighs because you look at the handful even though the handful's getting bigger of people that leave um like there's at least one trailer in every locality yeah. in the world um and on outreach they'd be reaching you know if it was a big event they'd be reaching thousands of people like for example they keep like handing out bottles of water at marathons like think of how many people would run a marathon mm -hmm. compared to how many levers there are yeah but what about the whole thing of their churches not being open the public well that's that's another issue we haven't even touched on that one um because that that's <laughs> yeah the, I mean, the is, that, is, that, is that not a big one because is that not the reason why churches get charity status is because they're, they're like a place of refuge for yeah. the public yeah. to go to yeah, they're a place of public religious worship in the preston down trust it states one the services of worship conducted in each gospel hall included in the property of the trust. Other than the Lord's Supper and services convened for a particular family or by a visiting elder, minister, servant or evangelist for the benefit of a congregation gathering by way of special invitation, should be open to all properly disposed persons who wish to be present and observe such worship. Properly disposed persons are members of the public, whether members of the brethren or not, who 1 respect the gospel hall as a sacred place, two, do not threaten the safety or privacy of the assembly, and three, come to the service in a spirit of gravity, genuinely wishing to learn from the teachings that are given there. Two, we should ensure that a gospel hall in every locality displays prominently outside its premises a sign indicating how persons from outside the community, including former brethren, can attend a hall for worship. Three, we should offer to people who attend our gospel halls for worship from outside the community, including former brethren, the opportunity to better understand our faith and services, through literature or in person. That again was something they touched on. I didn't really touch on it because there were quite a few points, but um, they said about that that um, I'd have to find the paragraphs and I, it would take me a while to scroll, um, that they were aware they had security gates and so on, but there was evidence that they were changing the signage and that that they was have. changing too yeah let me grab my phone because i took a picture but, of the sign but with the detriment and harm i think the point is in 2012 the charity commission decided the detriment and harm on the basis of the evidence they had albeit it wasn't tested in a high court did outweigh the public benefit therefore the brethren had to change yes so in my yeah. opinion so i think that's already there it's already yes. they've already proven that it outweighs yes well they 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 in their opinion they 
so they they said it it outweighed the public benefit because of all these things that are happening. They were closed community and so on, um, but it didn't go to high court to be tried under oath and all that sort of thing because they obviously agreed a settlement. And that, and that, that was, was the commission's the decision then. Yeah, and that was after the RRT, was it? It would be about the time it was being set up. Yeah, it, it was like, twenty twelve. The, the sign says. Plymouth Brethren Christian Church in Great Big Writing, and then it's got the website address and a phone number. It says place of public. Public. <laughs> Will you just? Yeah. I can't help laughing at it. Like, what bullshit? Um, registered pursuant to place of worship, blah, blah, act thing. For details of gospel preachings and meetings for Bible teaching, please contact the above number, which is an 0208 number. So for this particular place, it's not mm. a local number. Mm. London, isn't it? Yeah. And then a gospel preaching for visitors to attend will be held on Sundays and street preachings are held on weekdays. So the only day you're allowed to go, technically, that we, we knew as brethren is we may have people come to the five o'clock right um and then underneath it says all and this is what angers me yeah 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 you have to be all well-disposed persons are welcome to attend now the church that i'm so privileged to go to now there's people with tattoos there's people with caps on back mm. to front like no one gives a shit what you are wearing yeah. we are there that's, to hear the, about Jesus. That's an open church. And no. that, that's, I thought, what the whole, that's why you get charity. And yeah. I, know, I know this is going off on a tangent, but not only are their church not places of public worship, their graveyards aren't public either, whereas no. normal graveyard, even in a church, is a public Rich. place. Yeah. So out of interest, I looked up today, actually, because I was thinking about this, what a well-disposed person was. And the dictionary <laughs> definition, we want to be totally pedantic. If you're a well-disposed person, it means having a positive, sympathetic or friendly attitude towards someone or something. Wow. Yes. And that's what it means. It, it, so as long okay, as we so... go in with a positive, friendly and, well, you know, attitude. Um, I found the paragraph where they've, which I will read out just before we finish, where they've said about the churches, and because it is an interesting point. Um, I'll praise it a little bit. The evidence showed PBC meeting halls are protected by fences and gates, which the PBC say is for security reasons. The signage outside the PBCC meeting halls identifies them as public places of worship and provides contact details. It was noted the PBCC are in the process of changing their signage to provide more information. Um, there is evidence that people spoken to by PBC members to assess whether they are genuinely well-disposed members of the public before entry to the meeting halls is permitted. All services are open to non-members except Holy Communion services, which are restricted to PBCC members. Not true. So that's, that's what... Am I right in thinking that in a normal, I say normal church, um, Holy Communion, anybody can go? Yeah. 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 Yes. In our church, um, like in the like preamble, um, they invite you to partake in the Lord's Supper, mm. um, and they they refer to scripture, um, 
that you believe in the Lord and you believe that he's going to, I can't mm. remember exactly what they say, but you, mm. you that you're a Christian, basically, yeah. to be yeah. able to so, partake in the Lord's Supper. In the Church of England, it's left, and most other churches, Methodist churches, left entirely up to you. They do sometimes say if you've been christened and confirmed, they'd prefer that. But actually, you can go up and receive the bread and wine. And if you don't want to, the symbol is you take your hymn book with you or something and they give you a blessing. And that, that's pretty standard. But they do not stop go, you going into the service. Yeah, you can still go into the service. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can go into the service and not go up. They, they, that's they, what I mean. You can still go, go in. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was... I can't remember where I was local, but there was um, a husband or I don't even know if they were husband or wife, a couple um, that came to one of the gospel preachings. And firstly, there was an announcement to say that Bruce Hales's name must not be brought into the gospel preaching, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which it had to be said because he was part of the gospel so they had to take that bit out and the preachers actually really freaking struggled they couldn't actually preach a genuine gospel and then the poor lady it was the first and only time they ever went someone had tried to put a headscarf on her with like um the stuffing whatever they call that material that goes underneath to make it and the headscarf was like this okay so like every Everyone collapsed into laughing when she came in. And even I did, I'll be mm. honest, even I laughed. Yeah. But now I look back and I just think, how freaking humiliating. Like, it well, I don't think she'd go back, would back. she? No, she yeah. never went back. No. Yeah. yeah. But um, there was, when I lived in Sydney, someone died and their family that were out of fellowship went to that burial and they like it's obviously a different rule for Sydney (laughs) but they actually just sat all together like in the and like there were sisters behind them and brothers in front of them so maybe it's like a different rule for different places maybe or where it's more under the spotlight like sydney they have to like not try and be as strict and segregated as they usually would be that was the point is you can't you cannot just walk into one of them you can't you cannot and i have no problem if i were to go to a brethren meeting with putting a headset on yeah shall we (laughs) shall we all go no never i have i have nightmares about sitting in one of them yeah Yeah. but i would have no problem with dressing as they would expect me to dress because if i walked into a seat are you sure well i would no i would if that's their belief because if i walked into a seat temple i would cover my head Hmm? clear tights well I'd wear a skirt, Abby, Designer. and I'd put tights on. Yeah. Designer <laughs> outfit, design I mean. we, scarf. We're not there to ridicule that side of it. It's the point that their places are not public religious worship. And I actually have, this is a whole other discussion, but I actually have grave concerns about some of the things that are said behind those locked doors in a place of oh, public yeah. religious worship. But that's a whole other discussion. I think we'll have um, a podcast about that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah Let's list. Yeah. It's going to be a long one, that one. 
Um, but I think I want to say thank you very much, everybody. And the message I want to leave, and I think you would agree with me, we are not here with the sole aim of taking away their charitable status. We are here with holding them accountable to keeping it. And we can't do that, but the Charity Commission can. But the Charity Commission only can if they've got the evidence that they are not keeping to the behaviour they agreed with the Charity Commission. So what we'll do is we'll put the link um, to the form that you can, you know, raising a concern and then people can make their own decisions and do what they feel comfortable with. I don't know if yeah. anyone else wants to add anything to that. I would. I'd just like to say that we are being called the attackers, the opposers, mm. the people that are trying to do this and that and the other. And I'll I'll finish with my spiel with this quote. Accountability feels like an attack when you're not ready to acknowledge how your behaviour harms others. So I they think we're right. attacking them. <laughs> no, actually. Mm -hmm. You're just not prepared to accept accountability for what yeah. you've done to us. They could just and come and talk to us. In there. Yeah. No, that's that's really that's that's good, Abby, and it, it is true. Yeah, but we're we're still them. the same people that we were. Well, uh, you know, we're still the same people we were when when we were in there. As in, you know, we're just normal people. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not, normal. They're not normal <laughs> in there. But, um, <laughs> yeah. no, you know what I mean. We we are we we just we. We, we're, we're human. We're human. We're human. Yeah. No. I think we could say, I think that's absolutely right, Abby. It's it, it it feels like an attack because they're not prepared to square up to what's happening. Mm. And that, that's the bottom line. So it feels like an attack. But in fact, it isn't an attack. It, it's effectively to try and stop the harm that we all see going on through trying to help people leave and from the stories we hear and from our and own hurt. Yeah, and it's not just us who is hurting. No, those no. in there that are hurting too oh, and in fact absolutely. I've said this before I think it's harder for those inside yes who haven't got freedom yeah yeah you've got to carry that with them every day yeah and would love to contact their mums yeah. eh, and but they don't they can't yeah yeah the theory that we're the ones that have turned our backs put our barriers up mm. we're not no. no. Them that have done that. No barriers from our side. No. Doors People wide open. Yeah. No judgment. Mm. Yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. Yeah, been a pleasure you. as thank always. You. And um, we'll put the link in the podcast down, down below when it's published. And if anybody does want any help, if um, please feel free to contact us and we'll help you if you do want to put any um, concerns into the Charity Commission. I'm quite happy to help people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you are in a high demand religious group and need help, please go to alloflief.network. To share your story or be a guest on the show, Email info.getalife at proton.me. Please remember to like this video, subscribe to get a life and comment.